Episode 65, Millette Jones can teach you how to be a guest on top podcasts. The Online Course Guy Podcast. Regular people are taking their knowledge and content and packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. Didn't you take some kind of course that covered this stuff? Check it out. It's a good course. It's a good class. Ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready? Here's the Online Course Guy. Hey everyone, Jacques Hopkins here and welcome to episode 65 of the Online Course Guy podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be sharing with you an interview I did recently with Millette Jones of MilletteJones.com where she has this course and her expertise is on how to get booked as a guest on podcasts, which was just a really, really cool niche. I'll tell you more about that conversation with Millette in just a second, but let me right now tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, and that is a tool that I use every day called Bonjoro. With Bonjoro, you can quickly and easily send a short video to anybody with an email address. You just hit record, say whatever you want to say in the video, and then say that you're finished, and it automatically gets emailed to the person on the other end. There's a lot of ways you can use it. I recommend you thank your customers for buying your online course using a tool like Bonjoro. You can get started for free for 14 days by using this link. It's bonjoro.com slash Jacques. That's bonjoro.com slash J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. All right, so my favorite thing from the interview with Millette was right at the end, she was talking about being a guest on a podcast, and she was explaining that you don't have to be an expert in the traditional sense to still offer value to a podcast as a guest. And I love the way she put it. She said, because you are an expert at your story, so you are always going to bring something unique because of your unique experiences and backgrounds. And I remember years and years and years ago, I was just getting started. I hadn't made many course sales. Nobody knew who I was, but I got interviewed on a podcast. At the time, it was called Making Shift Happen. It was fairly popular, run by a guy named Dean Dwyer. I don't think that's still a podcast anymore, but I wasn't really anybody to be interviewed at that point. But Dean and I had hopped on a couple of calls. We were just chatting about some topics, and he's like, you know, this would make a really good podcast episode. And so it worked out, and it got me some traffic even though I didn't have a lot of quote-unquote credentials back in those days. So I thought that was great, but a lot more great content from this interview, including things like some tips that Millette shares with how to actually, you know, steps you can take to be booked on top podcasts. So let's jump into the full interview right now. Hi, Millette. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. How are you? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Tell me about your online course. Well, my online course is called Podguesting for Profits, and it's all about how people can grow their business by appearing as a guest expert on top podcasts like yours. <laughs> okay. And how, how did you become a person, an authority in that topic to be able to create an online course in that? When I first got started, well, it's actually a longer story, but when I got started being a podcast host, I was just getting into coaching 
And I noticed there wasn't just a ton of information about how to help coaches grow their business. So that's what I started my podcast on. Over the course of interviewing about 120, 130 coaches, I started to get little tidbits that everybody was like, the one thing that I really do to market is I like to be a guest on podcasts. That started coming up over and over and over again. But then on the flip side, what I noticed was I was getting probably four times as many pitches as I was able to accept. And of those pitches, 80 to 90% of them were just horrible. People had no idea how to pitch, how to make themselves look good, how to be appealing to me as a podcast host. And I was like, wait a minute. People love to be guests, but they just don't know how to do it very well. So maybe there's a niche to be filled. Okay. So once you had the idea for this, what are the steps that you took? I'm guessing you hadn't had any online courses at this point. What are the steps you took to learn how to do this and launch an online course? Actually, I had had a business um, with a business partner maybe about a year and a half before I started my podcast. We had developed an online course for helping people to figure out what their perfect work might be. So we actually had created a course. It didn't really do anything because unfortunately that partnership sort of fell apart and I was left restarting the business in another form. But I kind of had, you know, had done a little bit with it already and got the basics of it down. So I sort of knew a little bit about what to do. And I had actually bought a course on how to create online courses. <laughs> so just working through that, I knew sort of what I wanted to do and, and just sort of went from there. Imagine that, a course on how to make a course, huh? Exactly. <laughs> so I'm curious, you know, I want to talk about the, the online course itself, but I also want to talk, talk about your topic as well. It's an interesting topic. It's not one I had heard of before in a in a course. And that's what you know, attracted me to you and, and wanted me to uh, ask you to be on the show. What are, what are some of the tips that you have without giving everything away, obviously, <laughs> to, to try to get booked on some of the top podcasts? I would say the number one tip that people don't do is they put too much focus on themselves. They try to look like they are an absolute expert. They're the best thing since sliced bread. They have all these different accolades, but what they really need to be focusing on is how they can help that podcaster. Because as podcasters, sure, we want to have interesting guests, but our, the big thing that we're interested in is being appealing to our audience. So if you just come at it with that idea of service in mind and how can I be of service to this audience, what can I do to be a great guest and sort of approach it from that angle most people will have a lot more interest coming their way. Yeah, that's a good tip. I mean, as a podcast host, like I don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily want to hear about how great you are. Uh, I want to hear about what value could you bring to my audience, right? Yep, exactly. And so, is I guess it's important for for somebody to put them try to put themselves in the shoes of the podcast host and and try to figure out what it is they'd want to hear and how you could best help them and their audience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's definitely important to come across as an expert or as someone who knows what they're talking about, but there's a big difference between wanting to, you know, take an entire email, three or four paragraphs and just toot your own horn over and over again versus 
you know, having a few sentences about your background and your expertise, and then spending a lot more time focusing on, hey, this is who I think your audience is, and this is how I think I could help them. And if you put that sort of information in your pitch, if you do that sort of research ahead of time, that's what the podcaster is really going to be appreciative of and respond to. So you mentioned getting a lot, a lot, excuse me, a lot of bad pitches yourself. Uh, do you have any stories you could share from some of the, some of the really bad ones? I have one, and and I almost feel bad that I continue to harp on this one particular pitch, but it was just like I I put this pitch into Facebook groups to ask people, hey, have you ever gotten anything like this? And this pitch, people went crazy over this pitch. The guy started out, and he was like, hey, I'm an expert you know, in this subject. And, you know, I would love to be on your, on your podcast and share my story. And all I ask in return is that you promote my three books two times each, my two websites twice each. You let people know I have a podcast. You let people know I want them to sign up for my email list. You let people know that they can contact me and be coached by me on Skype and in person. And literally there were 10 different things that this person wanted me to pitch for them or allow them to pitch while they were on my show. And I was like, I, I don't know. This is the craziest thing I've ever, I've ever heard of. And I put it in some Facebook groups and it was just, you know, everybody was going crazy over it. Like, you know, I can't believe it. Send this to me. I want to see this. So yeah, that was probably the craziest thing I've ever received. And that was almost the one that kind of got me kicked off with, you know, this guy may be awesome, but he is never going to see the light of day on my podcast. And probably not on a whole lot of others. So maybe people can use some help with this topic. <laughs> had you had you heard of this person before? No, I hadn't. But he seemed to be kind of an expert in his field anyways. He did have a lot of things that he had done and a lot of things that looked kind of good. But there was no way that I was interested in having him on because I knew that it would be my podcast usually runs about 45 minutes. And I knew that it would just be 45 minutes of him talking about how great he was and pointing people to all of his different platforms. And I was like, no, I just can't, I can't have my audience listen to that for 45 minutes. Yeah. He was giving you the, he was giving you the privilege of having him on. And uh, because that's such a privilege, he was uh, expecting all these things in return. That's just funny. Now, if it were, you know, if you were going to interview like just one of the top players in, in the space, you know, if, if Gary V wanted to come on your show or, or Tim Ferriss or something, well then, yeah, I think that would be okay. But you know who those people are already and it's okay. Like you're going to have to give, give back in a massive way if somebody that big is going to be on your show. But that's why I asked if you even knew who this guy was. It's like, who cares? Like, <laughs> why would you ask for all those things? That's hilarious. Well, and if he had done any research on my podcast, he would have known that when I interview coaches, I spend about 50% of the time letting them tell their story about how they got started and about 50% of the time asking them really what's working in business. And there are at least four things, four different opportunities for them to talk about the things that they're doing in a way that, that allows them to share but also brings value to the audience. And if he had just done a little bit of research, he wouldn't have had to, you know, hit so hard with all the things he wanted because he would have known that I give a lot of opportunities in my podcast interviews for people to do just that. 
Now, do you recommend people reach out through email or is there another channel you recommend? I think that people need to do their research. A lot of podcast hosts will have that information on their website. They'll either have a guest inquiry form, or if you dig just a little bit, you'll be able to find a sentence or two that says, hey, do you know of a great guest? Have them, you know, contact me here, or, you know, something like that. And then if they don't, I generally will go for just digging a little more and finding the best email for that person. And, and usually the best email isn't like a contact form or something like that. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so the the ideal student that's going to take your course is it somebody that knows they want to get on top podcasts, or is it somebody that knows they want more traffic, and then you're you're proposing this this kind of different and new way to get more traffic? You know, I think it could be either because, in all honesty, people even who are just getting started can be a great guest on a podcast. I mean, there's there's definitely ways that you can be brand new, maybe not feel like you're a total expert, but there's things that you can do that can bring value to an audience. And you can start very early in your business, bringing that traffic to you, getting that authority. So I feel like it's it's generally a combo between people who want to build up that audience, build a list, and then people who are wanting to become more of an authority or build up that authority, that social proof, that sort of thing. So when is it that you first launched this course and, and what was that initial launch strategy? Well, that's kind of an interesting story. I did 100 episodes with my podcast. I was doing it um, five days a week. So by episode 100, I was, I was sort of getting to the point where I was burned out. I was putting out so much content. And I thought to myself, I'm just going to take the holidays off. You know, this was back late um, 2017. And I was like, okay, just going to take the holidays off, kind of get re-energized, figure out which direction I want to go. And then I got hit with the flu. And I was sick for two months. And I literally didn't really feel like doing much, but I couldn't just lay in bed. So I was like, there was one morning that I just woke up and I was like, you know what? I have enough energy to sit in front of the computer and work. I'm going to put this course together. And over the course of about 10 weeks, about eight weeks of it, I was, I was sick as I could be, but I just worked a little bit every day. So over about 10 weeks, I put this course together and launched it probably, I'd say, 1st of March, I guess. And I didn't really do a launch. Um, I just wanted to, to put it out there and have it available as another income stream for my coaching business. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even an email list that you could tell about promoting it on social media, I'm sure there was at yeah. some level a launch strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, pretty much just got in touch with the, the people that I had had on my podcast, you know, the email list that I had started building up when I had started the podcast back in early 2017. And I didn't, I guess you would call that a soft launch. I don't know. Um, I just sort of put all the information out there and then started promoting it. But it's, it's not like that I've opened and closed it. I just have it available. 
Right. Okay. So, and that's, that was going to be my next question. If I wanted to enroll or if there's somebody listening to this podcast wants to enroll, they can just go to your website and, and click enroll and get started right away. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I, I have the, the course as a standalone. And then I also offer my coaching in combination with the course. And then recently I've started putting together a little membership that, I mean, I guess I could add it on it is an add on to the course, but it's also sort of a standalone. If people don't want to do all that heavy lifting of, of digging through podcasts to find the ones that are active and to find the ones that do interviews, I'm starting a little membership where I will vet those podcasts for people. And how are the course sales going? They're going pretty good. It's, it's slow, but steady. And that's fine by me. I mean, I've, I've always looked at online business as sort of a, a long game and that's how I looked at my podcast. It's just like one foot in front of the other. And I'm happy getting, you know, a handful of sales every month. As long as that keeps growing, I'm happy with that. Yeah. And when you charge $500 for a course, like you don't need that many no. sales. <laughs> no, not at all. Call it a success. Exactly. And that's, and that's exactly my, my point is, you know, I've got a, my price is there's a few other courses out there that are fairly similar. Mine is, you know, in line with the lower end of things. And I did that on purpose just because I'm, you know, I feel like I am just at the beginning of my career. So I was happy with, with a little bit of a lower price point and then plan to increase it bit by bit. Yeah. So at a, at a $500 price point, it only takes two to have a four figure a month business. And then exactly. It only takes 20 uh, to sell in a month to have a five-figure a month business. Exactly. So yeah, it's not, uh, it's, it doesn't need a lot of students. I don't need a lot of students to be able to consider it a success. And I'm, I'm definitely at that point where I really, you know, I'm real happy with it and Excellent. just want to just keep growing it. So. What, what about the, the students that you've got enrolled? What, what kind of successes are they having? I'm assuming you've got maybe a list somewhere of the podcast they've been able to get on. Well, a lot of times, you know, this is one thing that I've found with my course is I probably need to work. My next step is going to be to work more on developing a community. And since my first foray into courses really didn't go that well, I almost look at this one as my first one where I'm still continuing to learn what works and to try new things and kind of to see, you know, really how to tweak things um, to make it better. So one thing that I do want to develop more is kind of that community where I can get more feedback and I can follow people a little bit more than, than is currently happening right now. Right. Just more passive right now. They sign up and all the content is there. Gotcha. Yes. I could definitely see a Facebook group uh, being included with your course because mm -hmm. That way, it would be really easy for people to share wins. Yeah. And when somebody is booked, you know, they can share it with everybody, and that just motivates everybody else to to keep going at it and follow the process. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's kind of the next step that I'm planning on taking is just to sort of you know build out that whole community aspect. And unfortunately, the platform that I'm using doesn't have a great community aspect. So, like you were saying, it's I'm probably going to have to take it off over to Facebook or, you know, lo look at a different option maybe. Yeah. I, I personally have not found a, like an online course platform that has a good community. Mm. Uh, and especially, I mean, I, I would say that Facebook groups are kind of the gold standard, not that they're perfect, but 
Uh, I know some very, very, very big name, you know, course creators that still use Facebook groups for their community. Uh, and it works. It definitely works. So what platform is it that you're using? I'm using um, Thinkific. And do you recommend Thinkific to course creators? I, I liked it because when I first launched the course, I wasn't 100% sure you know, what the response was going to be because I didn't really plan a huge launch. I just, you know, I created it and then I just put it out there and was like, I'm just going to incorporate this into the existing business and see what happens. And Thinkific had a, a free platform, a free level. So it was just a percentage of the income. And then as you started to grow that you could jump into, you know, the monthly plans. And I really like that idea of having that free option at the beginning. That's really interesting. I'm not super familiar with Thinkific, but you know, when you're, when I was first getting started, like I bootstrapped everything, you know, and if at the beginning you can pay nothing and just pay a percentage of your sales, uh, that's, that's a huge plus. So are you still on that free plan? No, I actually had, the first thing I did was I dug in and figured out exactly how many courses I would need to sell before I started jumping up to different levels. And cause, because I just wanted to, you know, obviously make as much profit as I could. So when I hit that first tier, I was like, Nope, I'm jumping into the next level. And then as soon as I hit my next tier up, I'm like, now it's time to jump into that next level up. And I don't know. I really enjoy the platform. And I think that for the free tier, they had a lot, there was a lot to offer. And then just in their very first payment plan, there was even more, you know, there was a lot of good options there. Okay. That's good. That's good to hear. So other than Thinkific, what other online tools are you using to execute on this? Really? You know, it's funny because I, I don't like I do like tools, but I don't like to switch things very often. So I'm still using like MailerLite for my, for my um, autoresponder and, and, you know, all of my email stuff because I just haven't been able to convince myself that I'm ready to put that energy into learning something like a convert kit or something, you know, something else. And so I'm just sort of, I'm using that right now. And I really just... Uh, I have my WordPress site and then I run um, Thrive Themes through that. And then Thrive Themes has a really good um, bundle of like landing pages and lead gen stuff and opt-ins. So I like to use their entire suite of, of products. So I, my next question would be that I know that the online course is not your only source of income at this point. Right. I know you do coaching. Maybe you have some other things that you can tell me about, but what... Uh, on a daily basis, how much time are you even having to spend on your online course at this point? At this point, I really don't spend very much time on the course itself. I will dig in and see if there's anything new, you know, obviously any new people, but even in, you know, within Thinkific, they have like an autoresponder where they where I've set that up and people will get emails every so often if they haven't started or if they've been quiet for a few days, they get a little nudge and they'll get a reminder, you know, hey, you've got this course and you've only completed 9% of it, something like that. So it's pretty much set up um, almost on autopilot, but I do, I do have to get in and just kind of check things out or I do anyways. <laughs> so what are the, what are the other aspects of your business other than your online course? Really just the coaching. Um, I do 
private coaching. And then I'm also starting to get into doing some speaking and wanting to sort of broaden that out and do some corporate coaching. What's your, what do you coach on? It's right now it's just um, the podcast publicity and I'm easing into a more general sort of digital marketing that I'm going to be offering to corporations. Okay. So I noticed that on your website, I can go and I can book a consultation, uh, a free consultation with you. And I think you're promoting that as, let's see if I, let's see for a good fit for you to be a a coaching client, right? Right. Do you use that as a potential sales call for your course as well though? Absolutely. I mean, if somebody books in on that and they have any hesitation about the pricing or they're just not sure that they're ready to jump in, I always offer the course as something that's more of a work at your own pace and something that's less, a, a little bit of a, of a better entry point for some folks as far as the, the price point's concerned. So I think in that way, you know, you kind of do have a funnel. Uh, people can buy the course without actually going through that phone call funnel, but it sounds oh, yeah. like you do make sales through that. So do you, do, have you thought about implementing one of the more traditional funnels to sell an online course, for example, a webinar? I had a webinar with my, the first course that I created and I just haven't created anything else yet. The only thing that I'm doing is when I do the podcast interviews and I send people back to a specific landing page there, they can opt in to get like a mini course or a checklist. And then that's another small funnel where I'll keep in touch and, and eventually, you know, present the course as an option. Where does your traffic come from? Mostly it's from podcast interviews and also um, Facebook. Um, I think Facebook is probably the second, the second place because I'm into a lot of the groups on Facebook and try to just you know, jump in and help people out with any questions that they have on being a guest or starting a podcast. I don't really offer anything on starting a podcast, but I like to, I don't know, I like to talk podcasts with people. So a lot of times I'll jump in and just, and just help out with that. <laughs> Good. So this is, as I'm going through your site, this is kind of a micro question, but the, the, the third party cookie uh, notification thing that appears at the bottom, why do you have that? Uh, because I've seen that more so in Europe. Like if I'm traveling in Europe, every site you go to has one of those. And what are you using to actually present that? That is a good question. I actually got onto um, Thrive Themes. Like I said, that's one of the, the suites that I use a lot with everything, plugins and different stuff. They had an article about why even as a US-based um, entrepreneur, you would want to have this on your site. And I was actually talking to a few other people and they're like, oh yeah, you need, you need some sort of a banner. You need something. That's just a little plug in. I can't remember exactly what it is at this moment, but uh, yeah, it was just something where I wanted to make sure I was covered and I didn't quite understand what the whole GDPR thing was and how it related to the U S and it was like, let's just, let's just do this and, and then I can dig into that more later and see if it's something that I need to do any more, you know, put any more information up about. Well, the one you have is nice and simple. Uh, sometimes they can be like really up in your face and it's just mm -hmm. about like cookies. Most people don't even realize what they are. So maybe you can send me uh, later on what that is. And so I can maybe include it in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. In your opinion, why do you think 
being on podcasts is such a good and effective strategy, uh, effective marketing strategy? You know, when I was first getting started in the online space, and I've been doing online business since about 2012, I started out with Amazon review sites and affiliate sites and, and kind of, you know, went from there to having my own blog and, and my own coaching. And when I was getting started, guest posting was the big deal. You know, everybody was like, if you want that authority, get onto other people's blogs, be a guest poster. Well, if you look at the research, there's over a billion blogs out there right now. And there's, at this point, there's a, over a half million podcasts but a half a million is a heck of a lot smaller number than a billion. So, and podcasts are growing every year by over 10%. Every year, it's just continued steady growth with podcasts. So to me, it's a, it's a smaller pool, but the listenership is growing. So there's a lot of people that are starting to you know, put their energy into those podcasts because they can listen to them while they're on the go or while they're in the car versus having to be able to actually read a blog. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I think it's a, a fewer eyes are on it, but the people that are listening, fewer ears, <laughs> people that are listening, they're, they're usually really engaged. And most people that listen to podcasts, they don't just listen to one. I think the latest uh, information is that most people listen to five to seven podcasts on a regular basis. Gotcha. That's that's all good statistics and and information. So the, the next thing that comes to mind that I'd I'd love to hear your opinion on is you know if I'm if I'm convinced that podcasting is a good marketing channel in terms of being on other people's podcasts, but maybe I'm just not comfortable like pitching all these people. Is there anything that I could be doing on my side to attract to be, or to be more attractive to uh, podcast hosts without actually having to like email them and pitch them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a couple of websites that it would be really easy to get started with. And let's see, one is interviewguestdirectory.com. And I think there's another one called radioguestlist.com. And you can jump on those, I don't think they're, ha they don't have a very large fee. I think maybe it's like $5 a month, might be a little bit more for the other one, um, for radio guest list. I think theirs is a little more, but you can find places like that where for a really low fee, you can just put your information up. And then if a podcaster is looking for guests, you know, they can go onto that site and potentially find you. So that's like the super passive way of just putting your info out there and then letting the people come to you. Yeah, but I, I imagine you'd recommend a more active approach. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of times the reason that people are seeking guests in that way is because they're brand new. And, you know, and that's, be, that's the way I got started. I found my first guests on interview guest directory. Now I found some really good guests, but I also found some that, you know, maybe weren't as, um, as professional or they hadn't been around as long. They didn't quite know their stuff as much as other people. So, you know, it's, it's sort of a, it's a give and take, I guess, when you, when you get your bio up there, you don't know for sure that you're going to be approached by the person that is really a pro yet. You, you may be approached by folks that are just getting started and you may, 
maybe still have some kinks to work out in their podcast. Yeah. So at this point, Millette, what are you struggling with with your business? I would say just continuing to like broaden that net, you know, continuing to grow the email list and just being a, a solo entrepreneur and getting to that next step of hiring people, I think, so that I can, you know, take the business to the next level. I think that's really where I'm, where I'm at with it. So as somebody that's, that's launched uh, an online course that, that you consider successful uh, several months ago, what advice do you have for somebody that's more just getting started and has an idea for an online course, but not really a plan of where to go next? Well, one thing that I remember reading, and I wish I could remember where it was so I could credit the, the blog, but I don't remember. Um, one thing that I read was, if you don't quite know if you have something that could be turned into a course, you can always go on to you know one of the platforms like Udemy, something like that, where you can browse around. When you jump into Udemy, you can see the chapters. You know, you can see what other people are kind of kind of their structure, and that to me, even though I didn't find another course that was exactly like mine, I was able to get in and just look at other people other people's courses and really see you know, how did they structure them? How deep did they go with the information? And that was a big help for me to be able to just sort of get that feel for what is it that people are putting out there and what sort of a price point do they have attached to it? So I would know, you know, how big do I need to make this or how, or how narrow of a focus? Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Millette, and learning a lot about uh, about being a podcast guest that I might have to take some of your strategies and, and work on this myself. So to wrap things up, uh, let us know if there's anything else you want to share and where people can find your stuff online. Oh, absolutely. Um, I would just say that if anybody is thinking about being a podcast guest and you don't think that you have enough knowledge yet in your field of expertise, if you're just getting started, just remember that you're always an expert at your own story. You can always get started on podcasts that are more inspirational or motivational where you can go on and just share your story and that's going to bring value to that audience. So that's a great place for people to get started. And then people can always find me at my website and that's millettejones.com and then we'll do um, slash online course guy. So OCG. MillettJones.com slash OCG is where they can find all the information about what I'm doing right now. And that's two L's, two T's, right? That's it. <laughs> Thanks, Millette. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. That's going to do it for this episode. You can find all the detailed show notes and links from today's episode by going to the onlinecourseguy.com slash 65. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Bonjoro. You can get your free 14-day trial by going to bonjoro.com slash Jacques. And if you either don't have an online course yet but want one, or you have one and it's not reaching your goals yet, then check out my free online course workshop. It's about 30 minutes long. You can check it out right now by going to theonlinecourseguy.com and it's going to help you create or grow a wildly profitable online course with very actionable tips. Check that out if you've not checked it out yet. Once again, the free online course workshop at theonlinecourseguy.com. We'll see you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.